0: You are listening to Mike's Seminary and Friends.
1: Don't remember how old I was when I heard the saying, moss doesn't grow on a rolling stone, something like that. And it was always in reference to people being engaged, people having a vision, people having a purpose, and they're, they're always moving. Consequently, can't have moss on a stone that's moving or rolling, right? Well, my guest this morning, who I've had on before, this is the second time I've blessed with his time, and I so appreciate it. He's that Rolling Stone guy. The more I learn about my friend Shane, the more I realize how blessed I am that he reached out to me 10 years ago, and we've formed this relationship so that's enough of an intro because we'll talk about his fascinating journey, his life, and how much I just love the guy. Shane Balkowitz, welcome to Mike Seminary and friends. It's great to see you. How are you? Then?
0: Good, Mike. Thanks for having me on. It's it's always a pleasure to spend some time with you, some quality time talking.
1: Oh, thank. I miss you, by the way.
0: Yeah, it's. I I, I was sad when you you moved two hundred miles away. I mean, it doesn't seem that far, but you know. It, it wasn't, we couldn't just meet at the bistro whenever we wanted, right?
1: Yeah. And you're right, it's 200 miles isn't far, but when you have life going on, all of a sudden, it might as well be 1,200 or a 1, 1,500 or 2,000, whatever. Uh, so it's great to see you. Yes. I don't even know exactly how we should start this conversation, but I'm going to try to do it this way. We're going to talk a little bit about your entrepreneurial pursuits, maybe quite a bit, maybe. This gift that you have so passionately discovered and became a student um, and yourself taught photographer in the historic wet plate clothing process. And that's how we got to know each other. But here's something I thought of this morning during my run, and we've never talked about it. Prior to 10 years ago, when you were discovering Wet Plate and becoming this student, and so passionate about it, and such a gift you have, Shane. Mm, that's good. What, what, what was your artistic outlet prior to Wet Plate?
0: I had none, Mike. That's the thing. I had none. I mean, I would hire painters to do murals in my house. I would hire people to do different kinds of paintings for me and stuff like that. But I never considered myself to have any kind of artistic talent whatsoever. So this is that story of, uh, you know, um, 43-year-old man. Um, I was searching at the time. So, I mean... Um, I feel like I was killing myself at my day job, the CEO of bulk, enterprises and to give a little background, um, to the company. I started this in 1998 with my mother, Sharon, um, with $50 in inventory. So, um, she was running a little antique booth. Um, and she, her rent was like $75 a month at the end of main street, you know, those little antique booths that they have. And she was doing about $30 a month in sales. And um, this was the time of eBay. eBay just came onto the the scene, and um, she asked me if I could put three items out for her. And you know, I, with the computer background and stuff, I said, "Sure, Mom." Um, I was going through nursing school at the time. I, I became an oncology nurse. I was a charge nurse at Med Center One for five years up on the oncology floor. So I had a little time in the evening, and she brought these three items over, and we put them out. And lo and behold, they sold by the morning. So we thought wow um do you have some more items to put out mom and and we just started slowly putting these items out she would go to garage sales and get items or go to an auction and get items she'd bring them back to me and i was still going through nursing school at the time and we just started putting these items out and started this little online business so with um you know we started with 50 dollars in inventory um and you know um you know you jump forward 25 years it's 25 years November 9th, it was 25 years that that, that first item was put out. And my, our little company's done in excess of $130 million in sales in that time frame. And, you know, in the last uh, three and a half months, uh, I've retired. I've sold the company and um, I've decided to, um, to make other pursuits. But me, the finding of my artistic outlet was a dire situation for me now looking back at it like i was when i say i was killing myself at my corporate job i don't you know people say "Oh, he was just he's just metaphorically killing i was killing myself mike i was i physically thought i wasn't sleeping at night um i was working seven days a week um i was just there was this burden you know my my brother worked for me my you know i was still my, my mom was my partner Um, and, you know, trying to keep everything, you know, I had children and family and all the things that we all chase. And I was, I'm just telling you, I felt like, um, and I knew, had known that my grandfather died at 51 years of age of a heart attack. So this has always been looming in the back of my head is that, you know, especially when I became 51, I was like, oh, um, pay attention here, pay attention here. So, um, yeah, so it was just, um, it was a creative outlet for me to, you know, I was looking, I just stumbled upon it and I just chased this. And when the students come out and I have students come out from universities and colleges and grade schools and junior highs, all from all of the tri-state area to visit me in my studio and for me to show them this process. Um, I always tell them, just, you know, keep a lookout, you know, um, there's no harm in, you know following down some rabbit hole somewhere you never know where it's going to lead and and i just feel very fortunate so i don't think that the longevity of this is that if i would not have found wet plate and if i would not have found my creative outlet 10 years ago right around the time we met i've been doing this for 11 years october fourth, two 2012 was my first plate um, I don't think I would have made it to the twenty fifth anniversary of my company and to and to make it to where I was able to um you know uh, decide to uh, sell the company and to and to get out at fifty four years of age
1: twenty five years this month, right? Isn't November? twenty five years Mike
0: it's it's twenty five years. How many companies make it twenty five years? Mm-hmm. I mean, the statistic is that ninety percent of companies don't make it five right. years. So take that times five once and just figure out, you know, the, the chance that companies can, especially, in, you know, an online company, you know what I mean? Like this is the most fast paced market the world has ever seen, right? This mm-hmm. isn't just selling shoes on the corner. This is, uh, you know, we have a worldwide market. We sold over a million items all over the world. I've shipped to every every country in the world. And uh, we did it with uh, like a skeleton crew of six employees, including myself. So, I mean, it's, uh, you know, to to think, um, you know, I I have to think of my past uh, when I worked for David Byman out at Sierra Infinite back in the late 1980s. um, We were about a $4 million a year company, he was, but we had 170 employees. I was doing twice that amount with six employees. So, you know, the world has changed. The market's changed. The way that you can do business has changed. And um, I just happened to be, um, you know, just lucky. We just happened to be lucky enough to be at the right place at the right time. And, you know, when eBay came on and nobody was selling anything online, we were like the first company ever on the fifth anniversary of eBay, to give you an idea, the fifth anniversary of eBay, eBay decided to have the celebration, pick their five most important sellers of the millions, tens of millions of sellers. At that point, we were one of the five which is, you know, sitting here Man. in North in, in North Dakota. <laughs> yeah, we were one of the five that they picked from the tens of millions of sellers at the time um, to, to celebrate as w- w- what our achievement was. So um, right place, right time. Um, you know, computer background I had working for David Byman, this old um, battle axe of a businessman that I, I owe everything to. And he's, he's since passed away. I, 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 there's, there's a sense of... Uh, Regret that he didn't get to see where I was able to take the little knowledge that he um, um, that he passed on to me. And, um, you know, it was I, you know, I went to business school, it took me seven years, Mike, to get a two year business degree seven years and why does it take you seven years Shane to get up to and what why was that why did it take you well the fact was I was working 60 hours a week for David Byman and I was you know going to night school and I would only take one or two classes a, a semester but I had by the end of when I had graduated um, from nursing school I had only missed one semester of college in 13 years um, so that's that's how long I went to college. And, and you know, it was only that last couple of years that I was able to go full time. So when my son traipsed off to NDSU just a couple months ago for the first time, it was just like, boy, you don't know what you got. You know, you don't know what you got. You get to go to school full time and focus on your studies. Don't have to worry about all the other things, you know, eating ramen noodles four times a week. Uh, <laughs> not because I like ramen noodles, Mike, because I could get a meal for 13 cents. So I um, like them, by the way. My, yeah, there's a good, there's a good story to that, Mike. So my wife, I, I became so um, proficient at making ramen noodles and, and just taking stuff that's available in the fridge and mix it in with the ramen noodles. That my it's my wife's favorite dish now. Is she'll actually my wife asked me, "Can you make me ramen noodles tonight?" And I, and she, and essentially what I'm doing is. I'm, I'm reliving what I did back in the you know when I was in my early 20s, starving to death, um, and uh, you know it's, it's 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 just a nice story.
1: I do the same thing, by the way. I, I take ramen noodles, and I will take what what's available in the fridge. Yeah. To
0: jazz them up. I mean, it's just meat, get some eggs, <laughs> scramble some eggs, scallion, yes. garlic, whatever's in there. Um, I can make, I make the best damn, if you ask my wife, I make the best damn ramen noodles in the world. And you can that. eat, you can eat under a buck, man. <laughs> you know, <laughs> don't ever forget where you came from or don't ever forget what, you know, what you overcame.
1: Absolutely. Don't even get me going on fried bologna sandwiches. I mean, they, there's the we you know went from ramen to a gourmet meal in one step. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, before we move on to wet plate, I, I want to unpack a little bit your journey in bulk with Enterprises. So 25 years this month, um in in the early years in the top five, uh Clients or customers for eBay, your company yep. was, and even though you had experience from your mentor that uh-huh. helped teach you um, some online skills, computer skills, you're still self-taught when it came to uh, bulkhead enterprises. You didn't go yeah. and hire
0: you. No, no. You I, I designed my first website in 1991. Nobody had a website in 1991. Nobody. Nike did not have a website in 1991. I designed my first web. And this was was longhand. And I didn't have any programming skills. So I I learned a lot of skills with David Byman over that 10 years that I worked for him in California. And then I ended up coming home um, at 28 years of age. I should tell that story real quick. So I came back from my brother's graduation party. And um, I knew that I wasn't happy in California. So I... I went to California a day after graduated from high school with everything that I owned in the backseat of my 62 Volkswagen bug. And, um, and I just knew that I had to come back home for whatever reason. So home called me back. So I wasn't, I was, I thought I was making good money at the time. I want to, I don't know, $40,000 a year, you know, in 1997 or whatever, it seemed like a lot of money that I had really, you know, I worked really hard from a administ- you know, from a data entry clerk doing 8,000, entries a day, um, to this administrative assistant, um, for Dave and Byman, this, the CEO of this, this company. And, um, I just decided to come home and I didn't know. Um, I didn't know what I was going to do. So I came back home and I fell into this period of depression. Like I, I made this, I made the biggest mistake of my life coming back to North Dakota. I, I moved back in with mom at 28 years of age. I mean, it just, uh, you know, I was I, it was not good for me, Mike. And um what happened is my grandfather had a stroke. Pius Fisher had a stroke. If we found him face down in a snowbank, he was um either blowing snow or shoveling snow. And he had a stroke and fell face down in the snowbank and he and he was uh wheelchair bound and um he went up to St. Vincent's nursing home. And in this uh period of uh, me being rather the lowest period of my life that I can think of, um I went to see my grandfather and, uh, I would spend, you know, my visit to my grandfather turned into a a visit every day to my grandfather. I like, I, I got something from spending time with him. And then I got something from visiting with his neighbor. And I got something from helping someone eat some food down at the cafeteria. And I got something from pushing someone down to the church in a wheelchair. So I spent my, my 10 minute meeting with my grandfather every day became I'm at the nursing home for two hours a day uh, helping out and and one of the nuns um came up to me and uh, I don't know if she identified my bedside manner, but she said we have um we have someone who's passing away tonight that has been a resident here for 30 years um and we're our staff, our nursing staff is too busy. they're not going to be in there and we're afraid that she's going to pass away alone. Will you sit with her?" and i said yes and so i went met this lady for the first time she had down down syndrome and never had talked to her she never was verbal with me or anything but she was in her last um hours and i just sat there all night with her and um and uh it's something and and i was the only one in the room when she passed away so uh I got, I left there around seven o'clock in the morning, been up all night and I was driving back to the house and, um, I subbed into the college and nursing and I pulled my car over to the college of nursing, staying up all night, Mike, never, you know, I'm You can about imagine what I look like. Right. Um, I just had this wonderful experience with this lady being there with her when she passed away. Um, and, um, asked to see the Dean. I went up to the secretary said, can I see the Dean? And, the dean was in the other room and said, "I'm in here," and so I went in and just cold called him. He said, "Have a seat," and I told him my story. And I decided I said I'd like to be a nurse. And they had already closed. Like back in that day, there was only so many students. There was like 25 students or whatever, and there was maybe 100 applicants, 75 applicants or something like that. At the, when I was, uh, you know, at this time, and they had already closed their selection. And he told me get to BSC, take these classes. You're a business major. You got a business to your business degree, but you wouldn't have none of these sciences. you got to get these sciences, anatomy, and all your organic chemistry. And so if you get to BSC up here, you get these classes and I'm putting you, I'm pulling your place next year. And um, that was my way on to being, becoming an oncology nurse. And I continued to volunteer. So they'd actually give me a pager. The nursing home gave me a pager. And anytime they had a resident that was not doing well, that needed some care, some personal care one-on-one and they didn't have family there, they would page me and I would go up and I would, uh, I would spend time with the residents and sit there with them as they passed away. So the death and dying thing, and I'm, I'm trying to come all the way around to this, this story. So the death and dying thing was really kind of uh, something that touched me. And I did that for five years, Mike, and I really feel like I couldn't do it anymore because they teach you in nursing school. Don't get too personal. Don't get too close. And, I just threw that out the window. Like that was not part of the way that I did my nursing. So I, many nights you'd find me, uh, uh, you know, not at the nurse's station. I would grab my charts. I would go in and sit at the bedside and do all my charting next to my residents that needed me. Um, so then, um, you know, this whole thing with mom, we already talked a little bit about moms asking me, I'm in nursing school and all this, and mom asked me to put these items out. So we start this little online business. And and then um, uh, Dr. Mendoza, who's a cardiologist, um, he came on the floor one night. So we were telling antiques and, um, you know, but there's a kind of feast or famine, like mom would go for the garage sales and not get anything. And then, well, we wouldn't have anything to put out. So we were kind of stuck Or she'd go to an auction and, oh, Shane, the things are, the things were too priced high. I couldn't buy anything for us to sell. So we were, we were kind of stuck. Dr. Mendoza came on the, uh, on the floor one night with this electronic stethoscope around his neck you know that's kind of the stethoscopes haven't changed i don't know if you know but they haven't changed in hundreds of years they've always been you know they were they haven't changed in hundreds of years but here's this digital you know us guys right you push a button and this audio comes on you can control the volume it was the bomb right So I said, Dr. Mendoza, can I borrow your stethoscope for the night? He took it off his neck and let me borrow it for the night. So I went around and was using this electronic stethoscope. That was on a Saturday. I worked the weekend shifts, night night differentials, because I could, um, at the time, I could, you know, work during the week for the small online business, take care of my daughter and stuff. Bonnie was working at the time. Um, We didn't have any money. And um, Monday morning comes around, and I call phillips medical which is like one of the hugest medical conglomerates in the world right and i con cheated lied or whatever i had to do to have them send me five thousand dollars i told them i ran this online company and that we we sell medical supplies and that i'm a nurse and that we're we had no medical supplies we had no experience whatsoever in the medical industry and but i convinced them that i'm a nurse and i can sell these things I put them out on eBay, and within six months, and we weren't always called Bulkwich Enterprises Incorporated. By the way, we used to be called Sharon's Collectibles and More. At this time, we became the number one distributor in the world of the Philips electronic stethoscope, and, <laughs> and, and our company name was called Sharon's Collectibles and More. <laughs> and it was that one product, that one product. I mean, the building, it's uh, 4419 Centurion Drive, the the desks and the building, it, it was all built off the money of that one. Uh, because at that point, the coin flipped, right, Mike? Is that, you know, I don't have to wait for this. Other, I can just buy a step to go, guess what? If I sell it, I can go buy another one and I can sell that one and I can buy another one. And they're, they're just limited. They're there. Those Phillips will send me as many stethoscopes as I want. And from that, we turn that one um, new product. So we were like the first company also. So here's another innovation, right? When I was putting the Philips electronic stethoscope out on eBay as new, they didn't even have a category for new nothing. Nobody was selling anything new product. You weren't selling computers. You weren't selling headsets. You weren't selling. Nothing was new. It was all just antiques and collectibles. And here I am becoming the number one distributor, of the Philips electronic stethoscope by putting this new product. So I was like at the founding floor of that entire thing as well. And um, then we just parlayed that one distributorship into, you know, at the, at the height before the pandemic, we were up to 450 different distributorships. Um, some of the most quality products around the world. Um, so we, we turned that one. Um, and then at that point it was the, we went from Sharon's club. We better not be called Sharon's Collectibles anymore. more. If we're going to be taken seriously, we need to have a name change. And then um, uh, I said, again, mom, I'm killing myself doing this this weekend thing with nursing and we're running the business. We started growing the business. I mean, we were doing $2 million a year in sales. I was in my underwear, you know, in my, in my, in, in my office at the house, right? Like this is impossible. How's this possible? How's this possible? We had no employees. Mom was coming, working for the government at the time, boxing all the boxes up in her basement. We converted her entire basement into our corporate headquarters. And it came to where I said, mom, we got to do something. And we decided to take this huge chance and for me to retire from nursing. And I still keep my nursing degree um up and and why do i keep my nursing degree up because if i ever have to go back to nursing i can always go back to it right it's always having that game plan um and then we uh built this sixty five hundred square foot facility put desks in you know fiber optics computer systems servers all this stuff and we moved in this building with just me and my mom part-time and my brother part-time and we just gambled on ourselves my mom moved the entire inventory from our basement to our corporate headquarters, 6,500 square feet in that big, huge warehouse. You've been in it, right? Yep. One minivan full. <laughs> we moved corporate headquarters from 411 South 18th Street to our corporate headquarters, brand new everything. And it was just me standing there with a phone by myself and mom coming in at night after work. And then my brothers came on and um, we, one minivan was all we had at the time. And we had six distributorships when we moved into that company. And then we we turned it into 450 distributorships.
1: You know what, Shane? We, and we'll talk about your current book. <laughs> it's in volume three, Northern Plains, Native Americans, a modern wet plate perspective. Volume three. You you need to write a business book mm. because um, you have incredibly important information to share um yeah, you could you you know you could do a tedx you could do all sorts of speaking engagements uh, you know you know starting from
0: you're, you're trying to give me work mike don't you know, be giving you know, me I'm, work i'm just
1: planting i'm planting a seed maybe there's somebody out there to help you as i say this but the, in terms of what so many people are looking for A lot of people are are looking for an opportunity to control their own destiny when it comes to their careers. Mm. Uh, You know, any given day, I'm going to assume that probably 40 to 50 percent of everyone that works for someone else thinks about being their own boss control whether they're qualified or not and it's that's almost irrelevant
0: it's such a blessing there has to be a dollar value that has to be i just said this the other day there has to be a dollar value that has to be put on i was talking to a young man who runs a local um uh coffee brewery and i was telling him you're here's the thing you're your own boss okay there's got to put you got to put a dollar value on it you're not working for the man And this whole thing, every time I see the memes and stuff online of, oh, the CEO, the fat CEO with the cigar and all the money and stuff, and like he's got it made and all that, it's all garbage, okay? Because nobody, mom and I, okay, you want to get in on ground floor of Sharon's Collectibles More, which we call Ball Coach Enterprises and get in on all of this, Mike. Mom and I went for five years without one penny. We took our first draw of Sharon's Collectibles and more, I can remember it to this day, it was $500 a piece. You would have thought we won the lottery. We had worked five years to get a $500 check and put everything else back in the company. So if I asked you on day one, when we had that 50 bucks, you know, you, we're going to do this, but I can't pay you for five years, but you're going to have to work. You have to still show up and you have to do all these things for five years. And then I can promise you some kind of reward later, which I I couldn't promise anyone that. Like, I don't have that. I didn't have that gift. I don't have that ability to promise anything. You would never sign up for it, Mike. Nobody. You'd have to be an insane person to go through the gauntlet that we went through. So every time it says, well, oh, the CEOs make 10 times as much as their average employee and stuff like that. It's like, you have no idea if you do a division by how many hours are put in and all the the capacity and all the, all the trials and tribulations that it takes to run a company. And I can only talk about my company. I can't say for every company, but for what I know that I went through. Um, at the end of the day, it came down to me doing the math. And guess what I decided, Mike? It's not enough. All of it. The Rolex, the Porsche, you know, the twin homes, everything that I've got. Um, it's it what 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 at some point it's not enough. There were the um there was that Jim Carrey quote that I, I just saw him recently. He says and he says, one of the most successful actors of our time, right? And comedians, right? right. I've I've done enough. I have enough, I am enough. And Jim Carrey spends his days throwing paint on canvases and has essentially walked away from the business. Um, there's so much wisdom in that, that I can't tell you. I don't think you win this game of life. And I, I'm not here to preach to anyone, but I don't, you know, the, I've been searching myself, right? Like i have been trying to understand this. I don't think you win this game of life by dying with as much money as you can in the bank account. I mean, what is the point of all of that? Um, so, you know, we just, it, there's been a lot of soul searching and we can talk about how I, um, really briefly, if you don't mind how we, um, cause it's a good story, um, how I got out of this. So 25 years is coming up. Um, this was about last year so this is about 15 months ago or something Um, my mom just comes in she's been retired for about 10 years and she hasn't you know she comes in every month and I make sure she gets her check and and, but she hasn't been involved at the company for a while and obviously she's 78 years old I didn't want her to you know how late how long does she want to work Um, so she comes in on one day Mike and just was visiting or whatever and she sat in this chair across from my desk and it was a well, I hope I can swear it was a shit show at work. It was just, you know, she saw me dealing with some distributor, probably some upset customer, and maybe an employee. She just sat there. I, I can, re- looking back, my mom just sat there, um, in this chair, just observing me. And when I got a break, it was about forty-five minutes later, an hour later. Um, the whole time I knew she was there, and it was really odd that my mom just sitting there. Um, she says, Shane, is it like this every day for you? And I looked at mom, I said, mom, it's been like this for every day for 25 years for me. And, um, I almost get in tears staying about this. So, um, she says, I don't want this for you. She says that you gave me everything and, um, I'm going to give you everything. I'm going to give you my half of the company. If you can find a buyer. And um, so my mom brought me into this crazy thing, right? 25 years ago, she asked me to put these items out. And then 25 years later, she's given me the best gift that I could ever possibly have imagined. Mm -hmm. And um, so she um, essentially gifted me her 50% shares in the company. um, Planted the seed in my mind, Mike, that that maybe this wasn't how I had to uh, spend the rest of my days. And um, I still had a lot of work to do. And and and, and so I found this online um, broker and met with him that had to go through three months of just God awful, you know, proving everything and showing your worth and then valuation process. And then um, he says, well, we're going to go to market. And, uh, you know, I didn't know what to feel about that at the time. I still was like, oh, should I be doing this? This is crazy. You're only 50. You know, you're 54 years old. This, this seems insane, Shane, um, can you pull this off? And um, right away we started getting offers and they were right around the price that we were looking for. And, um, you know, I never could have retired without my mom giving me her half, um, without giving me her half. And But with her giving me her half out of the gen generosity of her heart and and she said to me you know shane i have everything you've given me everything every i'm I'm completely set at 70 years of 78 years of age and um i want to make sure that you're set and um we found a buyer and then it was seven months of due diligence which was very painful <laughs> i mean there's a, i mean it's just essentially um I described it as like a colonoscopy, a seven month colonoscopy of the, of the corporate life. <laughs> it, I, I joked with the new buyer. I said, when are you going to take the camera out? I mean, <laughs> sorry for the nursing. I, I apologize to your <laughs> listeners for the nursing jokes, but it's like, when are you going to take the camera out? Like, you know what I mean? Like you've seen everything. I mean, this is, you, you've been out here. You've seen how we operate. This is what we do. We have 25 years of profits. I mean, what company has 25 years of, profits every month i mean it's just it was insanity so and then um i remember we were at the bistro and um the bank called and said uh, my mom was there and my brother was there and um they said the wire came through and that was uh, you know on june 30th and, and i knew that i had to do uh you know six months so december 31st so this is um november 15th so in 45 days from now i will uh, you know you have to do 6 months it's a rather complicated business model so the new owners you know coming in and you know we're teaching them everything my brother got you know took care of my brother I, I gave him compensation from the 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 sale as well um he got the, some of the proceeds and then he got a 5 year contract to run the company as as i step away so um it's uh it's freaking amazing it's freaking amazing um to get out at at 54 years of age um, and uh, it it was unexpected. Um, my mom, like I said, my mom brought me into this game and she took me out of this game. It was just uh, the most fantastic thing that she what she did for her son. She just um, she tells me she just realized how hard I worked for everyone in my family, and that she didn't want that for me anymore. That I, you know that we're only here this you know we're only here so long, and um, we need to you know uh, find out what's important.
1: Again, Shane, I think you need to find a way at least have somebody ghostwrite it. The Entrepreneurial's Dream Book. The, mm. oh, I mean, so many things you just covered. Let me just cover them briefly. Um, you weren't entrepreneurial. Um, you, you didn't have uh, art- artistic skills that you were aware of. Not at all. You, to, to become a a nurse you said yes to somebody in a nursing home to spend the last moments of life with a person you didn't know you were depressed at the time you took that opportunity as you drove home to go into the nursing school talk to the dean got enrolled graduated pursued that career and still have maintained your nursing certificate um, you saw a doctor with a tool you weren't familiar with you asked permission to borrow it all of these things that entrepreneurs have to do where you're putting yourself in probably uncomfortable settings for yourself because it that's just part of the deal.
0: Yeah, five thousand dollars worth of stethoscopes and not knowing that you could sell them. Yeah, I had no proof that I could sell yeah. them, Mike. I had a, I had a, I had a belief that I could sell them. Yeah, I had no yeah. proof though.
1: So you were constantly taking the risks and stretching yourself, which is required in, in the business of being an entrepreneur. And I, I could keep listing all the. Uh, daily activities that you engaged in to become successful, including that before your feet hit the floor in the morning, you were thinking about what do I need to Mm -hmm. do Uh, this uh, uh, half a day that you're going to work to whatever 12 hours you picked, you were going to work at least, you know, 12 hours, right? That's what you did Mm -hmm. for for years and decades. uh, Yeah. And then you dealt with, all the combative forces that entrepreneurs deal with, the uh, conglomerates that are taking over the the business of internet retail, so yep. on and so forth. You kept yep. reinventing yourself, which is required. And so you have the background and you the proven background where you could help people. So that's all I'm going to say. We, we'll, we'll talk about that another time because we need to talk about, 11 years ago you discovered the wet plate process and became fascinated. you educated yourself. Now, by the way, you're a brilliant marketer. I I, I don't always <laughs> reply to all the stuff you post but I'm always going to myself, this guy his app. he has such a gift. You know, your timing, you what you push out, the you just are you really doing a bang-up job.
0: No, oh, well, that's kind I don't, I have no idea what I'm doing. And I, and I, and I say that all the time. Yeah. Um. I say, say that all the time. I, I, I you know, I would just want to talk briefly about um where I'm going to focus my time. Okay. And I've, yeah. I've come up with three things that I'm going to focus my time on. Okay. We already talked about, I did not, I'm not going to win this game by just continuing to make money and putting money in some of my bank account somewhere. Okay. I'm going to focus on family, friends, and my art. And I want more of all of it. Mike, all we it, it's occurred to me, okay? It's occurred to me that all we have is this moment now. This moment between me and you. I've been I've been looking forward to this just this talk. It's just this little talk between me and you. It's all we have is now. We don't have last week. Last week is a, a distant memory, right? It's in the history books. Can't change it, right? I don't even, you know, what did you have for lunch last Wednesday? Do you know? I have no idea. You have no idea, Mike. Okay. I asked that question for a reason. You have no idea. You don't have that anymore. We sure in the hell don't have the future, right? Like, I don't know what's going to happen. I could get killed in a car accident, um, you know, on the way back to, you know, to the office here today. So all we have is today. So I want more of this today and I want to put myself in present moment and I don't want to worry so much, you know, in the business world, you're always worried about the future. It's just a constant grind of what's around the corner Um, and, and, and and it's really kind of, um, you know, it's really kind of taxing on me, um, the other thing is one of the weird things that I wasn't expecting with this, you know, I made a public that I'm retired. I was rather proud of myself. You know, I, I was proud that we were, achieved 25 years. I was proud that I was retiring. You know, there's a picture of me and my brother standing out by the building. And, um, you know, it's, it's our little fairy tale story. And I'm not looking, I, you know, people ask me one thing people ask me is, well, what's your next thing? Like, what do you like? I look at them and like, I won the lottery and you're asking me to win the lottery again somehow. I don't believe that there's i deserve more than one lottery like this was my lottery i did my best i took i played my number i collected the 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 fruits of the the labor and but i don't have and i don't have any desire to find the next biggest thing i don't know if you you know the guy um victoria's secret you know the story about the victoria's secret guy Mm -hmm. i do he jumped off a building sold victoria's secret for two million dollars had regrets jumped off a building two years later or something like that. I don't want to be the Victoria's secret guy, right? I don't want to see here. I can. I don't want to see here. Okay. I can turn my $8 million a year company into a $50 million a year company. It's never enough. I could have went from eight to 16. I could have went to 16 to 32. I could have went to 32 to, you know, to 74. It doesn't matter because when you're at 50 million a year and you lose 25 million a year, you feel like you're a loser and it's a bad perspective. But it's this this deficit that I always had, Mike, is that I always, there was never enough. There was never enough in the business world. Because I always was like, when I went into business, I wanted to do more. I wanted to do more. I wanted to do more. And at some point, it was like, you know, I got to take Jim Carrey's, you know, his advice. So enough is enough. I've done enough. And the, the weird thing that's happened is that, you know, making this public is that um, people ask me, you know, the pushback that I've gotten from people saying, well, what are you going to do? You're going to be bored. And I tell them boring people are bored. I'm not boring people. Okay. I've got, <laughs> there's nobody intimately know who Shane Balkwitch is right. I mean, you're my friend. You have no, everything that you've seen in my wet plate work has been happening on one compressed day a, a, a week. Everything that I do is just, that's only me dedicated one day to my creative endeavors and now I'm not going to say I'm going to do what I played in five days a week. Cause I, you know, I'm picking up the kids from school and cooking meals at night. I'm, I'm enjoying vacuuming the house, Mike. I mean, I'm enjoying vacuuming the house. I put my headset on and I'm vacuuming the house and I'm just spending time with the family that I just, I just didn't have that before. I was just so, so, um, you know, people are just, you know, the people have a problem with me being 54 years of age and retiring, and I, it was something unexpected, and I don't know where. Maybe you have some insight on that. Um, but you know, people, I've gotten more pushback. Is that are you crazy? What are you going to do with your life? And, and I think back to like the John Lennon song. You know about the wheel going around and how he decided to get off the wheel. And people thought to, told him, you know, that you must be crazy to 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 give up the life that you had with the Beatles and stuff. Um, there, I'm, I try to find you know little tits bits of wisdom in all this the stuff that these other people pre- previously have gone through but this isn't this isn't the game is we're only here um uh, my buddy uh not my buddy but uh, sam harris um uh, a philosopher said um every person you have ever met every person will suffer the loss of his friends and family all are going to lose everything they love in this world why not be kind to them in the meantime Okay, so we're all going to lose and we don't. He also says that we're going to do something in your life for the last time. You and I are going to have our our final kiss at some point. You know, you're going to kiss a loved one for the final time. You're going to hold the hand of your child for the last time. You're going to have a cup of coffee for the last time. You're going to you're going to you know, and maybe this I don't get to mean to be too morbid here. Maybe it's my oncology nursing speaking out, but I've held the hand of many, many, many people as they passed. And I know one thing nobody on their deathbed ever said it stated to me and this was my profession right like this was my occupation i was an expert at this i wish i could have worked another day yeah. nobody ever said that to me they what did they always want to do they wanted to spend one more day with that special person in life they wanted to do do their their hobby one more time or they wanted to do this one more time or they wanted to see paris one more time these are the things that people want nobody ever says if I could have just went to the office for another eight hours, you know my life would be complete. So if we take that at face value, and if that has any value at all, you know, and and I I know that I'm fortunate to get out at 54. I mean I'm, I and I don't want to take it for granted, and I don't want, but I want to make the best of it, and I just want to do the best things that I can. I want to be there for other people in my life. I want to spend it with the people that are important in my life, my family. I mean, I just, uh, you know, it's just. um, These are just the kind of lessons that I've tried to learn and I'm new at this. And there's people that are much older than me that are much more knowledgeable than I am. But um, this is some of the lessons that I've been trying. I've been keeping my feelers out and uh, my ears open for years trying to what is why are we here? And we're surely not here just to. To, to work every day. I understand we have to work. And not everyone gets to, you know, my level of a success. And I, I get that as well. And the, and, I, and I have some guilt um in that regard as well. I feel like why me? Why, why why do I get this? Why why is this opportunity made itself um to me why can i do this and i have other friends that i care dearly for that are i see them struggling financially and and in their relationships and stuff like that and and I, there is some guilt there as well that i have to uh that i'm trying to deal with is well, why why did you get the lottery ticket Shane? the golden ticket willy wonka just blessed you with this golden ticket um i i'm smart enough to know not to ask for another golden ticket i'm smart enough to know not to try to pursue another golden ticket because we know where that can go yeah
1: well before we move on the, the people that that question your decision you know always consider the source they they're confused some of them are envious um, mm. most people mean well but i don't know, you...
0: i don't i didn't state it to the to like the to be braggadocious about sure. it i just um i don't know I'm not sure, Mike. I don't have any answers for it. But I, I know that our society does not want people to get out early.
1: Well, there's a there is a, a portion of society that don't like it when other people have success. That that's the you know seven deadly sins, you know, that's the envy thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, where people get envious. but so you talk about family friends, let's talk about the art a little bit. yeah, in a in a short period of time, ten years, and pretty much just on Fridays, you have what you now are in seventy four, I think the number is seventy four as museums year. or archives around the world. your your work is literally. <laughs> being archived and stored in incredible places across the planet. Most recent, I think, was uh, Shalene Woodley. I think I said her name right. Yep,
0: Shaleen Woodley, yep, the actress.
1: The the actress, and that one is in Los Angeles. Yeah, the
0: City Historical Society, Los Angeles City Historical Society took that plate this week. What is it
1: like when you are notified? What what kind of satisfaction do you derive when you are notified that a, a piece of your work, where you're focusing on someone else, because you, you're always very others focused and centered when you're doing your work. What, how do you feel? What does that do for you when you receive notification that this is taking place?
0: Well, I've, Feel um, it's it's had a lot of work. I mean that, that this just doesn't come easily, mm-hmm. but um, I feel gratified because the person. It's not about me per se, it's about the fact that um, Shailene Woodley's, you know, these are silver on glass images. They'll be here a thousand years from now. I mean, when you make an object, and I say this all the time, when you make an object, that's going to be here long after you're gone. And again, you, you see some of this the synergies here with the oncology and the death and dying. And then all of a sudden now I find these objects that I can create and they're going to be here after we're gone. Um, these are the things that drive me. So, um, you know, when do you get the opportunity Um 300 years from now, for someone to say your name. I mean, most people don't get that opportunity, right? Like Abraham Lincoln gets that opportunity. You know, there's there's certain celebrities that get that opportunity. But 300 years from now, someone can go to any one of these archives. And uh, like you said, I have got plates at the Smithsonian, the Library of Congress, the University of Oxford, just to name a few. Um, 300 years from now, an archivist can look at one of my plates, take it out of its sleeve and and I, and, and I look at the front and they may like the image or not like the image it doesn't really matter. They turn it over. And on the back of that plate, it says, you know, the date, the plate number, who's in the whose photograph is, you know, in the plate. And then it says by Shane Balk, which is nostalgic glass, West Plate Studio, Bismarck, North Dakota. It's just a fabulous kind of time capsule thing. And we, we get so stuck in um, the fact that history is in the past. And we lose a little bit. And I've been preaching this for a while. We lose a little bit of it that we're making history in today, right? It's, it doesn't always have to be the past. Like 200 years from now, that 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 photograph of Shane Woodley, this very, she's been in 40 different movies and she's done different things, uh, personal things throughout her life. Um, you know, there's got to be some value to that. And then that that, that these, these, these exist. So I think it's that entire uh, knowing that I'm only here so long And um, knowing that, you know, these objects that I make are going to, you know, placed in these places, Um, they're going to be here long, long after I'm gone. And it it puts a smile on my face that I'm able to do that for her or or for any, you know, the state historical society of North Dakota has over 900 of my plates. I mean, 900 people's images are preserved in an archive um, for future generations to appreciate. I mean, you can have you can envision great-great-great-great-grandsons of these people going in there and asking to see pictures of their great-great-great-great-grandmother or grandfather. Um, and then on top of that, you add the layer of the Native American heritage and, and the beauty of that. Um, it just becomes really something rather romantic. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, you know, to think that these people are going to, you know, that they won't be forgotten, that we just won't be scattered to time. Um, it's, it's, uh, I, I don't know why I hang my hat on it, but I do, and I, I pursue it, um, with great vigor. Um, and I really do it for the people in the pictures because they've trusted me. They've come in here and Cheney, she leaned, t- uh, emailed me back. She just was ecstatic that the, you know, the Los Angeles city historical society is going to protect her image. And, and these image will outlast, I I'm in possession and they're going to be in possession, of an image that while outlast any other photograph ever taken of the woman there's something to that there's something to that I see you have uh, Chance Lee Rush coming in
1: for a sitting yes I've met him extraordinary person oh, and great. I have not seen the movie yet I'm looking mm-hmm. forward have I haven't either
0: it? no I okay. want to see it yep it's and I will see it in the theaters movie.
1: and uh, good for you that you have Chance coming in he... But what what do you what's the count? Where where are you at? Five thousand seven plates. Well,
0: I gotta just bear with me one second. Okay, four thousand eight hundred
1: seventy two. So let's just call it five thousand for the sake of doing easy math. So that's uh, roughly five hundred a year since you started, roughly. Yeah, yeah. On Fridays.
0: On Fridays. Know. Yeah. Yeah. Last year, I want to say I made 300 plates in the entire year. So some years are, are, you know, busier, but yeah. So, but you know, 500 exposures. I mean, you can hire a photographer, Mike, to go to, a, to take some po- pictures at a wedding and they're going to take more than 5,000 exposures in an afternoon. And it's taken me 11 years to, um, to take the 5,000 plates
1: when you bring students in, whether they're from Mary or BSC, where wherever they're they're from, what are some of their companies that they're they're growing up? I also want to address AI with you before we conclude. By the way, no, sure, because I actually thought about it. The job you previously had, when there's eight thousand data entries a day, that's probably yeah. now done by. Yeah. Some no. AI generated piece mm-hmm. of equipment more than mm-hmm. likely. Um, well, so students that are they have an iPhone or yep. a Google phone or an Android yep. whatever it is yep. that's their that's the extent of knowledge for most of them when it comes to taking a, a photograph right. What are some of the reactions that you get from them when they see this type of process revealed in front of them?
0: Yeah, I just had the uh, Jason Luter's class just came out last week. And we had 18 students in this, you know, and they just they spent two hours with me. And it and it'd be, it's magical. Like, I don't know who's quoted is, but every every um, superior technology appears to be magic. And this process, it's it big back to 1851. It appears to be magic, like I'm performing some magic trick in front of these. And these are kids that had LCD screens, and they had computer monitors, and they had big screen TVs, and they had all these things, right? All these different ways to look at imagery. Can you about imagine what it would have been like in the, you know, the early 1800s, when, you know, a photographer, and this was the most significant photographic achievement, you know, the most scientific achievement of of the Victorian era was making photographs. So they come in and, you know, I try to, they're coming into an analog photographer's world. So I have to kind of bump them over the head a little bit with some of the, you know, the obvious things. Like I ask them, well, how many images are on your phone? And they'll say, oh, I've got 3,800 of them. And I said, well, how many of those images are going to be here 50 years from now? And they look at me with this, this look on their face. And I I said, well, I've done the research. I can tell you none of them are going to be here. Okay. None of them will be here. You're not going to, you're not putting these in a shoebox like my parents did for me or my parents, grandparents did for them. Um, the JPEG format is going to change and and these are going to become obsolete. You will never get these 50 years in the future. So I tell them, if you find an image, you take an image of something that's important to you, print it off. Is it going to last as long as a wet plate? Absolutely not. But at least it's here in the physical world. Zeros and ones in a long data file do not equate to memories okay <laughs> so we have to ask ourselves why we we taken all these images right we're taking so many images we take more digital images today than in the first 150 years of photography in one single day like it's ridiculous and none of them have any chance of being here 100 years from now so we're gonna there's gonna be a lost it's going to be the last generation till we figure this out. And then, you know, you're going to have some of the things that came up this last, you know, decade. Oh, I have it in the cloud. You know, the cloud is nothing more than a server at some location. You don't know where it's at run by some people you don't know. Don't tell me about the cloud. I, the Apple Apple cloud, okay, where I, I store my photographs for my digital phone. They lost 4,500 of my images. Just poof. I'm talking on the phone with his Apple rep. Well, we don't know what happened to him. I can, can you recover him? No, we can't recover him. So don't be, you know, don't, don't be trusting this technology. We, what were the other previous technologies? I don't mean to get too technical here, Mike, but we trusted CD-ROMs, right? Didn't they tell us when CD-ROMs first came out? Oh, you put that on the shelf, it'll be there 150 years from now, you'll be able to read that. It's crap. That's not true. They're falling apart after about 10 years. Ask the State Historical Society. I had my dad, um, just talk about technology real quick. My dad came to me. Um, I had an Apple IIe computer when I was in high school and my dad used to write poetry. And so he had all these poems on paper and he asked me to put them into word processor. you can got to imagine, this is how long I've been in technology, right? Like it was a big deal that I could take my dad's poems and actually type them into a computer and save them on a disc. I had this five and a quarter inch, Floppy disk, you remember they're not the three and a half, which came yeah. around in the 90s, the five and a quarter. So I had this, I, I came across this like three years ago. After my dad passed away, I came across my dad's poems on this. I manually typed them in to my Apple IIe computer back in the 80s. I sent that, I scoured the internet, found the world's leading company that can restore such information from archival objects I sent the disk into them they couldn't get one bit or byte of information from any of it and that's just the 1980s oh man paid them 250 to just they take taken can you get anything off of it can you get one can you get one letter that my dad typed off of that they couldn't get nothing there was nothing there so like, we got to stop trusting this technology so if something's in for your listeners if something's important for you a photograph that's important to for you print it off for god's sakes put it in a drawer put it in a sleeve and put it somewhere and save it because you trust you just think it's going to stay on your phone forever it's 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 the biggest lie that uh, you know that that we're telling ourselves and well, i happen speaking- to think as a historian i happen to think that you know as a person that's trying to protect history that this is these things are important they are they are
1: you know speaking of technology uh, ai which is in you know a blessing and a curse and it it, it it's here to stay uh, how do you see it favorably impacting what you're doing and you're, you know, the thousand of you that are around the world, roughly, uh, favorably. And how do you see it in in a negative way influencing or impacting what you're doing?
0: Well, I've written five articles on this subject. So for Petapixel, one of the largest uh, online uh, photography or visual arts uh, websites in the world. So um, if you go to Google and you type in Balkwich Petapixel, P E T A. Um, petapixel, P I X E L, Petapixel, um, bulk which Petapixel, you'll see my five uh, articles will come up. The first one was, um, if I can remember them now, um, AI photography, uh, AI will never be photography. Okay, I was I I was online and I was seeing these pictures come up and people were calling photographs. And right away, it's like, hold on a second. That's not a photograph. Light wasn't used on a photosensitive material. It's not a photograph. Um, I talked about um, how it's going to affect our history that you can make. You know, they're joining like um, Martin Luther King with Elvis Presley on a roof of a hotel or something. And I mean, they were never on a hotel together and, and, and you know, that it can affect uh, history. As we know it, that that image can get away from us. This AI image could get away from us and go into the future. And someone could actually believe that Elvis Presley with Martin Luther King were on the top of this hotel or something. These are the kind of things that I've talked about in these these articles. Um, as far as what it can do, I mean, I want to point... We need to stop pointing AI at art, okay? Art happens to be stuff that us humans enjoy to doing, okay? It's one of our pleasures. Let's have a, you know, I joke. Let's have AI. I, I did the meme. Can AI clean my toilets, please? Can we, we can we start with that, okay? Can we we know the power of this technology, right? Can we get AI working on curing cancer, please? Can we can we stop having it make fake photographs of celebrities or making fake art? Um, by just stealing other people's art and and, and and grabbing all these all this these data files that other artists and relying on other artists I mean I found 45 of my photographs in the AI, AI training data so if you type in wet plate Native American in AI and ask it to bring back my my aesthetic my look could potentially be was utilized to give that to you that's my work it's not your work I did the I did the groundwork for that. So, um I I think it's a uh a way of cheating i don't think it's really like i don't really think this is really it, it may have its own genre and may, it could be a dull note for art form. i have no i'm not here to say what's art and what's not understand mike i have a big problem with saying i'm not a gatekeeper okay so this can have its own art form it can have its own art exhibits it can do all these things like it can do their own books if they want but i just think and if you if you look online now and i've just noticed recently and i've been f- fighting against this for over a year um I think I'm seeing a lot less AI photography and art coming across. I think people are bored with it. It doesn't, you know, you, they, they got these pictures of these, these young girls that have never existed, right? These beautiful models and they're using them in advertisement stuff. It's like that woman never existed. She's never existed. She never will exist. She's never felt pain. She's never felt love. What is we're losing the human nature to some of, uh, you know, what we think is important beforehand. We always knew, oh, that's a portrait of this person. And she's, oh, she's lovely, right? She must exist somewhere. She's in LA or in Russia or in China, wherever she's at. She's out there in the world, like me, another human. It's that connection, that that that, that human connection. But the, with this AI, there's no connection. These, these people, So so she looks beautiful. So she's got the perfect form. So she's got a spotless face. With no blemishes and she's got the most beautiful red hair and all these things my last article was talking about do does the world need more fake ai people because there's actually ai people now that are pretending that they're real people behind the scenes and and they're promoting these people as real people and people are being fooled like people are making wedding proposals to fake ai people that don't exist in this world it's very strange it's very Mm -hmm. strange so let's get ai cleaning toilets and solving cancer Okay, and let's leave the stuff that us humans love to do. Our souls love to create art. You know that. Leave it to the humans. We don't need AI. Let's have AI do the shit we don't want to do.
1: Love it. I agree with you 100%. When does volume three come out?
0: So um, the series Northern Plains Native Americans and Modern Wet Plates Perspective is um, a 15-year journey for me to capture 1,000 Native Americans wet plates. So every 250 images of Native Americans, I do a book, pick my favorite 50 images and do a book. So um, I just finished my 750th photograph of Native Americans, taking me nearly a decade to do that. And, um, I'm working with a young, uh, my friend, Chelsea Silveralli, she's um, my designer. So I've given her all the information, all the images I'm working on the index now. And we got the forward is already written. And, um, yeah, so we I'm thinking the first part of next year, it should come out. Volume one has been sold out for some years now. Um, volume two, uh, is, is available right now. And, um, I just want to, you know, uh, I made this promise to my, myself that I would try to get to a thousand eight American portraits. And I, it seemed like impossible. Like I just put that out there. Like, and I, I don't know if I didn't believe that I could do it, but I sure knew that it was going to take a lot of work. And I didn't really realize how much work it was going to be. But now that I'm, I'm sitting there on 750 portraits, I'm 250 portraits away. And people, the first thing people ask me is, are you going to stop taking portraits? Absolutely not. I mean, I may take 4,000 portraits of Native Americans over my lifetime. Let's hope, Mike, that puts me into, you know, I'm well into my 80s at that point. Um, Who knows? But I I, I wanted to set some kind of goal. And I think that's always important. Something to, you know, going back to that business thing, like, it was always that goal. And in my mind, it was always, um, it was a really important day for me. When, we, we, when, when I knew the number that I had done as well as David Byman had done, my previous mentor, there's, there's something about setting a goal down the road somewhere and then just putting your head down and just trying to achieve that goal at all costs. Just like there's, there's got to be milestones, and you know when when we did, uh, you know I knew that our sales were, were had matched his best year. I, I these are the things entrepreneurs think about, right? Like I'm always thinking about numbers, right? I'm always thinking about these things, and I and I'm so happy I don't have to think about these things as much anymore. Um, it's <laughs> it's rather fantastic, but yeah, I I think there's all this. Uh, make some goal, to do something. Make it and don't make it easy, right? It shouldn't be easy. Right. It should be something that, oh, like, like when I, um, when COVID came around, it was March 20th, what was it? 2021 was it? 2020, 2020, March 20th. When we went, we shut down, right. Everything went, went, and I'm like, oh, okay. Um, I got more time to exercise, so I'm going to run every day. Okay. And so I started running every day, three miles every day. And then, at, you know, I was a couple weeks into this and it looked like COVID was not going to be the six week. Remember, we thought it was going to be like six weeks or something like that. It's not going to be that. So I thought, okay, I'm going to run three miles every day for a year. Okay. Well, that's like nearly 1200 miles. Um, you know, it's, uh, and I, uh, Made that a goal. And I ran every day. And it it doesn't, maybe three miles every day doesn't sound like a lot to some people. So maybe it sounds a lot to other people. But you have to run three miles every day no matter what. And during that time, Mike, I got COVID. And I mean, I'm coughing and hacking. And I've felt like crap. Like I'm, and I got up that morning and I'm like, I can barely walk. And I told myself, you know what? I've got to get my three miles in today. And my wife is yelling at me. And see you're, you're you know i got dr tony johnson my my, my personal friend and, and my good good friend on the tell machine you're not running today you know you're not running today i said Tony. he said you just were diagnosed with COVID. you're not running today and so about 20 minutes later i'm on the i'm on the uh treadmill you know the you can hear the sound of the treadmill and i turned i called him on the phone and i just let him listen to the treadmill spinning <laughs> <laughs> under my feet so So I wasn't, I was going to do that year no matter what, if it killed me and, and I did it and it was, you know, it was just a little personal achievement for myself. So, you know, there's all kinds of goals that we can make for ourselves. Um, Just try to make them. Um, I just, the goals, Mike, that I set for myself, um, you know, the financial goals that I set myself for myself in the business world, um, they seem very shallow now in retrospect. And I don't, I don't, you know, I can't go back and, you know, take that back. Um, you know, why was it important for me to be able to afford a Rolex at one point? I mean that these are, these are, um, wants and wishes of a younger man, right? Like, um, I don't, you know, the, I don't look at these things the same anymore. I don't look at these things the same anymore. These aren't. And I, and I felt really shallow and I feel like I have been really, um, really, um, not that thoughtful on what i was pursuing i've been able to in this last year or so you know getting out of this company i i you know i've been able to um put everything that i've done into a little pot and put it on the stove and heat it up and figure out what's at the bottom you know i've been able to evaporate everything away do you know what i, I i've gotten this down to what i did over 25 years do you know what and what it was do you have any how i describe in the most simplest manner what did i do for 25 years what was I moved. It? I moved a million boxes from one location to another. <laughs> you want to. You want to put your name to that, Mike? You want that to be the reason mm-hmm. that you're on this planet?
1: You yeah, want to be w- known.
0: You want to I, be uh, known for that?
1: Yeah, I would take another look at it. I, I agree with what you just said, but the other thing that you did is you provided employment opportunities for others did and 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 yeah there was a big price to pay you were able to provide for your beautiful family
0: like i never could have imagined mike like i never could have imagined we poor we grew up on the south side i mean there's a story my mom my brother wasn't playing the drums anymore he had a little snare set and he wasn't playing the drums anymore and my my dad had left when i was nine and my mom was my mom was working full time at the government and she was uh you know um dealing blackjack and she was serving drinks at a local bar and getting her butt pinched at 10 o'clock at night while i was watching the kids at home i mean there was a, a story in our family and i want to tell this okay is that my mom she didn't have enough money in the checking account to get us food that week so she took chad's drum set and hawked it at the local um, pawn shop to get money for food i mean and and here's the other thing the other thing you got to appreciate is that we never went hungry we never were wet we always had a roof over our head and we always loved. So, I mean, she did an amazing job. She did an amazing job. But you just have to remember these little stories, right? Like I, I can envision now my mom putting my brother's drum set, how hard that must have been for her to put his drum set in the back of her car and drive to the pawn shop. And then to sell that, that drum set, that snare, um, to get money for food. So don't ever forget. I, I never want to forget where I've come from.
1: You said that Volume Two was not quite sold out. How, how do people get a hold of you to make a purchase?
0: Yeah, they can just uh, they can just uh, type in Shane Balkowicz, Wet Plate, and then you can find my website, and it's out there. So if anyone's interested, or you can find me on Facebook or message me, and I can I can get the the volume. I just sent five hundred copies. This distribution company just took 500 copies of volume two and put it in all the Barnes and Nobles around the country and stuff like that. So that just happened this last couple of months. So people have been sending me pictures of my book appearing in New York and in Florida and New Mexico and stuff like that. It's, it's been kind of fantastic. But um, I, with the, with the sale of the native American book, I, I raised money um, last year. I want to say I was able to give $16,000 to the American Indian college fund from the sale of the book. So um always just trying to, to give back and, and to, um, and, and support my friends who have trusted me all this time. So, yeah. Um, I don't know if we got off topic here or if we covered some of the things that you wanted to hear, but we covered um, a
1: lot. I, and by the way, folks, that's Bulkwitz, B-A-L-K-O-W-I-T-S-C-H, Shane, S-H-A-N-E. If you Google it and find his website, he's also on Instagram, yep. on Facebook and uh, I would encourage you to add to your collection, uh, his wonderful books. Shane, thanks so much for, first of all, just thank you. You're just a great guy. I love you. I miss you. No, I
0: love you too, my friend. I, I'm glad we were able to catch up a little bit. And, you're, you're you know, this conversation really for me was about putting a bow on, talking just a little bit about the history of, where, you know, where where I've come from and where I find myself now and what I want to focus on. And what I want to focus on is those three things, family, friends, and, and my art. And and trying to be there for other people in my life. So I, I want more of this. I want more of these present conversations. And um I don't know how long I'm going to be here, but um I'm going to try to make the best of it as I can. Yeah.
1: Hey, thanks for making a difference, Shane. Appreciate you. I appreciate you as well,
0: Mike. Thanks for everything. Take good care. Okay.